Here's a common phrase, and you may have said this in raising your kids, follow your heart. I heard somebody say that on uh, one of these reality shows the other night. They said, well, I'm, I'm out. I lost, but I, I know that I followed my heart. I, I get it. There's a sense of integrity in that phrase. It's kind of like, all right, I don't want to lose my integrity just because I'm on this show. I get that. But I don't know if follow your heart is the best advice, at least from a Christian standpoint. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. Your heart is deceitful. Yep. That's and Jeremiah wicked. 79. A wicked, yep. yeah. Uh, and the Bible echoes this in several places. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple. Numbers 15, 39, and 40. Remember, all the commands of the Lord, do them not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes. A lot of times the Bible and the commands of God, they challenge our, our hearts um, here's another one, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And in 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, mm-hmm. but in its but its end is the way of death. Mm-hmm. So the follow your heart thing can be a problem. It's not entirely wrong because sometimes we hear that language and we say, oh, well, there can be nothing you know, God's will for my life must be the thing I hate the most. Have you ever heard somebody say oh, sure. that kind of thing? Please don't send me to Africa. Yeah, it's like I I don't want to be a missionary halfway mm-hmm. across the world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to um, have to. But so there's a there's a wisdom here in learning about the human heart. Mm-hmm. And Pro, uh, Psalm thirty seven four says this: Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes. Christians will take that and they'll say, well, it doesn't really mean he'll give you the desires of your heart. It means he'll change your desires. That is not what the Scripture says. As a matter of fact, the verse right before it says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And what I'm saying to you is, in the context, it's actually saying God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what are the worlds going on here? Because it sounds like the Bible's speaking in two different directions. There's a difference between a haughty heart, uh, and a healthy heart. There's a difference between a heart that's sick and a heart that's healed, Mm -hmm. a redeemed heart and a depraved heart. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. And you and I, as Christians, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and we start to fill our hearts with the Word of God, it changes our hearts. Yeah, and that's where I feel like the latter, because I have heard both ways, it doesn't mean... You know, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean He's going to give you the the Lamborghini. I'm just picking right. something. You well, know, I what think I mean? what we do is we we right. misunderstand what not, delight yourself ex- in the Lord means. That's ding, the ding, premise. Ding. Yes, and yes. so it's, it doesn't mean he, Santa Claus, God. Right. But then right. on the other hand, I have heard it preached the other way, where delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart, meaning your heart's desires will change. But I don't know that that's totally off base. I do think as, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, our heart's posture does change. It assumes a transformed heart. Yeah. 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 Priorities 
are what change more yeah. than anything. You can't be led around by your emotions. Mm -hmm. That's where the wicked, deceitful heart will get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. But when you submit yourself to the Lord, it's almost like what he's saying is, look, I've got the rest of it taken care of. Yes. And I love what you say about him mm -hmm. since you brought up emotions. Mm -hmm. your, your little saying about emotions. Oh, your, your, your feelings, they yeah. have a place at the table. They just can't be at the head of the table. Right. Or feelings are not facts. Don't care about your feelings. Which one? That's, that's one. Yeah. Play, yeah. A place at the table, but oh, not yeah. the head of the okay. table. I yeah. like this. So, you were just looking at me with the blank stare, and I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> not the one he's talking about. Let me see if I can figure out another one. But yes, I, I say that to the women in my Bible study all the time. Your feelings absolutely have a place at the table. They just can't be at the head of the table. Right. Bottom line, let the Lord work in your heart. Mm -hmm. Fill your heart with Scripture. Mm -hmm. Seek Him first. Delight yourself in Him. Mm -hmm. Then he will give you the desires of your heart. Elevation Worship. Everyone's heard of Elevation Worship. They are the second most sung artist or band, however you want to say it, you know, mm -hmm. Christian entity. <laughs> it could either be an individual or a band, but they're the second most uh, streamed band Christian artist on on all streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. I mean, people stream Elevation Worship. And they were in town a couple of weeks ago, and we got to sit down uh, with uh, Chris Brown and John Sal. And here's what's so crazy, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Usually when you sit down with an artist, we can kind of count we're going to have about six or eight breaks. And that's just Which a radio means term. they're going to be with us about an hour and a half, two hours. Totally, yeah. yeah. And so when Dave went back and looked at all of our audio that we had recorded the other day, we had 12 breaks, mm -hmm. which essentially means... It's a whole conversation. This is kind of like when you met somebody for mm -hmm. coffee mm -hmm. and you thought you were going to be there for about 30 minutes. Yes. <laughs> and then you start talking. And then three hours later. That was this... So yeah, that's what we're doing this morning. Yeah, they were so, so gracious, so uh, humble, so... I just... I, I loved them. I loved them. You can see why... The Lord's hand is on them. Mm -hmm. uh, their hearts are in the right place. And I'll be honest with incredible. you. I was surprised. I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect uh -huh. for, you know, just who these guys are, what drives them, mm -hmm. what's behind some of the songs that you hear, and gosh, the list of hits. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. as long as your arm, mm -hmm. but to hear the love for the local mm -hmm. church, mm -hmm. yeah. to hear the love for the calling that God has given them, the faithfulness. Yep that they've exhibited. It was really inspiring. It was. It was. All right. So you're in for a treat this morning. You're going to hear Elevation from Elevation Worship uh, this morning on the Morning Cruise. We're sitting here with a couple of guys from Elevation. 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 <laughs> That's a good start, Dave. That's Elevation Worship. <laughs> Elevation. Yeah, Just elevation. smash it all together. Uh, Chris Brown. That one's easy. John Saul. Barrientos? Yes. Is it John Ooh. Saul or John Sal? John Sal, like Salvador. <laughs> well, I want to start in a, an easy place for the both of you. We'll go Chris first. When did you get into music and how many bands did you start in your parents' garage? <laughs> music was so easy growing up because it was just always in the house. Both my parents sang, my dad played guitar, mom played piano. All the time at home, she played organ at church. All the memories at Christmas time going to my grandparents' house. It sounds so cheesy and like a movie, but it literally was. My mom has a lot of siblings. My mom or one of her siblings taking turns at the piano, everybody singing Christmas songs 
around the piano. That's I learned harmony just yeah, yeah. like literally just singing with my family all the time. Um, hey, we're coming out with a Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Is that um, a scoop? Did you just give us a scoop. I, I mean, that's an exclusive. Okay. And uh, played piano, gave up on piano. My parents let me finally give up because they were so frustrated that I stopped practicing. Yeah. Maybe 12, I got interested in guitar. Okay. And my dad started teaching me and it was, it felt like game on from there. Mm. I felt like probably by 12 or 13, once I knew just a few chords, I felt like the reason you played guitar, I don't know why this didn't make sense for piano for me. Like the purpose is you write music with it. Right. So I started writing songs, put together a band at 14 with a couple buddies and then another. Let's, yeah, let's hear the let's band hear names. Uh, <laughs> a clever field. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Sounds like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> Not to be confused with Cloverfield yeah. that came out later. And, um, Nimbus was the teenage. Sounds like band. another movie. Okay. Yeah. That was a that was like a punk band in high school. Okay. So, All right. Um, we played at this skate park primarily in Charleston, South Carolina. So Friday night, Saturday nights. Now, were you just the, the bar chord kind of guy, or did you shred? Bar chords all the way. I am, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just get the job done. Okay. Just, How was your guitar? And actually uh, met at that skate park playing, that's where I met Pastor Steven. So mm, he had really? a punk band that also played there called Wait Jubal's just, Seed. Just for a second, I have to picture Steven. Get, it in, your, get it in your head. In a punk band. <laughs> I'm I'm having a hard time. It was it was a it was a shaved head, <laughs> three piece. His was a three piece band, just drums, bass, and guitar. Mm-hmm. All you need, and, yeah. you know. <laughs> so um, anyway, we we met then, but yeah, that was that's kind of my little teenage music wow. career journey. I love that's the up. contrast of my story. Okay, let's hear. Okay. It. Grew up in South Texas in my hometown of San Antonio. I'm in middle school. Of course, in San Antonio, they offer mariachi music as an elective. Mm. Okay. So, so good. I'm in sixth grade, join this mariachi. We're singing in, in a chorus, you know, it's everybody singing together. And, and my teacher says, I hear your voice. I said, nope, not me. I did not want to sing. And so she called me out. She's like, I need you to sing this solo in Spanish, by the way. That kind of gave me the, the confidence to like, all right, I'm going to get a mic and maybe start. But started singing and, and being a part of youth and some of the worship teams back at home. So, so let's get this straight. Punk mariachi. Yes. Put them together. You get elevation, elevation worship. Look what God does. It's That's all amazing. Together now. It makes so much sense. It does. That's awesome. Talking to elevation worship this morning, we have Chris and John Sal, and I want to take it back a little bit. All time favorite bar none top of the list. How many times a week do I say, put rattle in, put rattle in, put rattle in? <laughs> At least three. Oh my At least three. I, I love rattle. You wrote this back in 2020 mm-hmm. and you wrote it right before Easter. Is that correct? Yeah. And literally, was it a week later that you sang this song? Was it March 15th or 14th that everything like shut down? Yeah. Right. Something like that. Yeah. We wrote the blessing mm-hmm. on... March 1st, Carrie Cody, mm-hmm. we're at church. We sang it for the first time two days later. Yeah. So we were riding that, that high in momentum and feeling of like, I mean, let's, let's see if what can happen if we just like stay in this type of flow. So we start writing rattle over zoom because there's no other option to get together. Mm-hmm. It was a totally different song for a couple of weeks. I had a different chorus. It's not rock and roll at all. Yeah. On Palm Sunday, 
we tried it after church and the drum the drum part starts coming together with one of our drummers dom that unlocked like a whole feeling we're like okay start the song that way before this this was like literally us sending voice memos in your with acoustic guitar yeah. or you know piano and that's not rattle at all so <laughs> um so the band helped so much mm. shape it. This is a week before Easter. The song's 70% done. Monday comes around, Pastor Stephen, um, he gets obsessed with the song. He's, he's like, I think we really got to do this for Easter. And I'm like, you think this song's like ready? <laughs> like, and he was like, you don't understand. This, this song is Easter. And mm. I was like, are you going to work on your sermon? He was like, you don't understand. The song is Easter. Mm. Like the it's song a is resurrection my song. Yeah, it is. I mean, right? think about I'm it. like, yeah. oh, yeah. got it. So yeah. we're going to finish this thing. Yeah. Wednesday, again, empty room. But we just got in and rehearsed the song. It finally had a new chorus and the right structure. I just had our video crew like turn the cameras on. We probably ran it seven, eight times mm -hmm. just as it was like being rehearsed and captured all of those. Walked off stage and we're like, let's use take six. Mm. And take six is like the master version. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just us in rehearsing on stage. Wow. So who had the idea to like write a song about that? Was it Pastor it's, Steven? It started with him. Maybe the beginning of March, he had the idea to talk about this obscure story mm -hmm that, you know, these raiders basically, because there was this big famine in Israel and these raiders come, come along and they, they pick up a, a dead friend's body and they throw it into the, to the grave and the, the man comes to life as soon as he touches the bones mm -hmm. of Elisha. Mm. So it started with that line and then it just kept taking shape. And of course, coming up on Easter, yeah. being so much resurrection focused, it made sense. Well, let's hear it right now. Here's Rattle Elevation Worship on the Joy FM. I know you guys have been at Elevation for a long time. You've been very committed to your local church. And the fact is, one of the things that you guys do that's kind of unique is that you resource the church. Mm -hmm. So you're giving us songs to sing. We sang, Oh, Come to the Altar. That one was the first one probably that got our attention. I know that it got a lot of attention across the nation. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite guys is Tim Keller, who says this, that worship is theology on fire. Mm. What is it that you hope that people will take away from a concert or a song like Come to the Altar or Rattle or anything else that is 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 content focused? Like, what do you want people to walk away with in terms of what they know, what they think, what they get out of an experience with Elevation Worship? Anytime we show up in a city, we're gathering with God's church. Mm -hmm. So we're gathering with these like-minded children. We're getting to, one, be the expression of God's church that I think he is so pleased with, mm -hmm. which is like, mm -hmm. let's be together. Mm -hmm. Let's actually gather. Mm -hmm. um, you were talking about us being committed to our local church or the importance of being plugged into the local church. And yes, this is an expression of our ministry where we have the local church side that we're leading worship, John Sal and I and our whole team every single Sunday. And then we have this, you know, dynamic where we're able to go out. But I think it's so cool that we're, um, we're getting to provide a space for people to come and hopefully we're taking people on somewhat of a journey of 
their relationship with the Lord, reminding them through a song like Same God, God's been faithful before. He's been faithful through generations, time and time again. He's, he's not going to fail me now. Or a song like, Oh, Come to the Altar, mm-hmm. which is this invitation song. And um, that all of us have a seat at the table. All of us have this place um, at, at God's table. Or to encourage their faith through a song like More Than Able, which is one of our new ones. Or to hopefully just have a big shot of like faith adrenaline yeah. in rattle. So often when we're discouraged or when we're by ourselves, we isolate completely we think that our problems are the only things that are going on and yet you get into a room and and you see people in faith believing for something or or there's this one god connection that could happen and i think practically we're like hey come and maybe god will do something in a community or maybe you're going to see someone that you might relate to or maybe there's going to be a god connection that will encourage and strengthen your faith. And I think that happens and we don't give that enough credit, but I know God does that. I I feel like big picture. It's like, Lord, use these songs with your revelation. Mm -hmm. But then also like as a church, we need to get together and we need to continue to stay like, you know, encourage believers and, and just come along each other and just be like in tune with what he would want to do. And so I feel like we hear stories about that, uh, so many weeks later, months later, yeah. but it's, I, I'm, I'm hoping that practically someone will get that as well. Bill was talking about how part of what they do is not only lead the local church in worship, but resource the church in general. Okay. A good bit of that church right now is Gen Z mm-hmm. and you're what? 34, 32, 32. You're... <laughs> okay. So you're need to trim my beard, <laughs> but a lot of the people <laughs> trim the beard. Um, it's not great yet. So you don't have to do, do, you do anything with it. I have it. two, but <laughs> just but, pluck them really fast. Yeah. I'm looking at videos and things on YouTube and a lot of people that are singing along with you are, are Gen Z. And yeah. here's a comment from a YouTube video from a Gen Z that wrote, people talk about how Gen Z quote, isn't faithful. Mm. I'm so fired up to watch the Lord move mountains and see thousands of young adults walk into that stadium ready to connect with God. God is so good. There you go. Tell me about Gen Z. Like, do you guys have any specific thoughts about trying to reach a younger audience, a different, not a different generation, but just people that are younger than we are Mm -hmm. even now than you are. Tell us about that. You know, as I love that you're bringing up Gen Z and all the revivals that are happening Mm -hmm. in universities. Um, The beautiful thing about serving faithfully is you don't see the fruit so often and it's not like going to be immediate, but then you have these moments and these pockets of things that God through his spirit is birthing and you'll see a song pop up or you'll see a video, you know, a, a viral like TikTok or something of just this powerful thing. And then you say, okay, Lord, like you are using this and help us to see that it's mm. the wide range of somebody who may be 75 to someone who is like mm-hmm. on fire Truly. and they want to give <laughs> everything mm-hmm. to you and whatever means if it's a video mm-hmm. sharing like hey I just I want to cover this song or you know if they're just like sharing what's happening within their small organic worship nights like those things matter 
And don't you love it when a 75 year old does that oh, too? They, absolutely. They're like I connect with your songs mm-hmm. when they're uh, doing walk on water or some sort of uh, <laughs> or rattle, <laughs> rattle X. Mm-hmm. But that's also a beautiful picture of the church yes. is that it's multi-generational. Yeah. Yes. And I think, um, you know, to, to what John South saying too, there's, um, there's this poet Wendell Berry who says, invest in the millennium. Mm. Mm. That's cool. Plant sequoias. Yes. Mm-hmm. Plant, plant trees or put mm-hmm. seeds in the ground that mm-hmm. you'll, a sequoia is not going to show itself for a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. but like having the mindset of putting seeds in the ground tonight in Tampa that maybe yeah. will show the fruit for generations for someone who's mm-hmm. there tonight, their great, great mm-hmm. grandchildren. That's, that's the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. That's the mystery of how God's kingdom works, mm-hmm. but it's worth investing in. And of course, tonight we'll get to, we'll have the amazing privilege of seeing mm-hmm. evidence of people mm-hmm. surrendered in worship and seeing people enjoy the presence of God with one another. We'll, we'll get to see that. But then the thing that happens underneath the surface too is really amazing to pray toward and think about and hope for. Love that. You mentioned a few minutes ago, a couple of songs, Bill was talking about, Oh, come to the altar. And then you also mentioned same God. I get to play bass every Sunday morning, probably over the last three to five years, more and more elevation worship popping up in our sets. And same God has become a staple for Mm. our church. John, Sal, you, you're featured on this. I've got two questions about same God. How did you, John, Sal, end up with same God? And then tell me your experience with the song as an individual. Well, our church, um, there's a ton of writers and just depending on the time and what is happening in, in, in that period, we'll introduce so many throughout the year. And so it's really like hard to kind of tell the process. And so I feel like same God, I don't necessarily remember, but, um, for me personally, that song, I've, they weren't my words that I wrote, Mm. but I lived that. Mm. And I feel like I've confessed that for years, like, Lord, this is just what I need to sing to you. So that one has been a, a very, very special song to me. And people need to hear your revelation mm. and if that's been your testimony in your mm-hmm. life story, mm-hmm. it translates mm-hmm. just as powerfully. Mm-hmm. And I think God can use that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, he'll use writers to, to create something and then he'll use maybe a voice or an instrumentation. Like you were talking about rattle, just certain things, certain parts that are anointed. I feel like if you, sur- if you're in leadership on a church platform and you surrender that way, he will use it. And so I think that happens so often in our, in our church and with elevation worship. When I was growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church and we sang hymns every week. Mm-hmm. And I know in the hymnal, yes, the, the writers are usually my hymnal growing up. We're mm-hmm. down at the bottom, but I didn't really pay attention to the writers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're learning the song, if mm-hmm. it's a new song for mm-hmm. you in the hymnal or you're singing, but you're paying attention to the words like those hymns Mm -hmm. are in me because Mm -hmm. I grew up singing them. And to John Sal's point, like they, I sang a lot of them as if Mm -hmm. that was my song Mm -hmm. because that's my, you know? Yeah. And I think that's for every song. And especially for people like in our church, none of us had anything to do with writing the song. 
you've got churches around the country that are singing songs that you wrote, but that song has to have some sort of personal connection with the person Absolutely. that's yeah. leading it mm-hmm. in order yeah. to really bring the congregation on yeah. into it as well. Yeah. You have to make the connection with the song. It's always, I think it's, that song in particular is a unique, um, has a unique specialness to it in this storytelling, the scriptural storytelling mm-hmm. that a lot of times storytelling and in, in worship music is, is kind of a hard thing to figure out because you, you don't want to have to set up for a Beatles song, you know, storytelling or a Dylan song. That's like, all right, sure. let me settle in here and get the, the arc of this story. Right. But it has storytelling through it, of course, with all the, 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 the characters in, um, in the Bible. And then it also, I mean, back to what John Sal was saying, I mean, his granddad was yeah. a pastor. There's this generational, this history, this, um, you know, this faithfulness that he's seen in his own life and that we also get to sing about that, of course, we, we see and read about in Scripture. So I think it's this cool, like, combination of, wow, we really unlocked a bit of storytelling, stories that people are most people are all familiar with, but get to recall those and then put ourselves also in our own stories also in the... Chris, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you grew up in a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. I grew up Southern Baptist too. Hatcher Avenue Baptist Church and then moved to North Weaver Baptist Church. Um, and our song or our church is is singing Trust in God. Anytime you want to take a hymn and with trust in God, it's blessed assurance. Yeah. And it's immediate connection. It didn't even feel like a new song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is yeah. you just feel it. Something mm-hmm. is different about this song. You don't want the song to end. I think it's because of Blessed Assurance. Wow. We should do a hymn project. We should do we a hymn. Should. Yeah, we, like I'm part of the band. You can, you can come. Okay. Yeah, come to Charlotte and record. Really, you don't uh, want you her don't to do that. Okay. <laughs> but I will say for a long time there, when it was, there was a season of the seeker-friendly church, uh-huh. and that was one of the things that I said over and over and over is we're missing the hymns. They're yeah, so yeah. rich. And I know, you know, Crowder has hit on this a little bit. Um, but yeah, talk about that song. I mean, my... My kids, I like I said, I grew up singing hymns, but I think all the time, and I'm not teaching them enough hymns. Yeah, yeah. They're in church every time the church doors are open at mm-hmm. Elevation, mm-hmm. but in I'm part of being responsible for bringing new songs to the church. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a mandate we feel like we have um, right now, but then also I'm constantly thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, it's kind of a bummer as mm-hmm. many hymns mm-hmm. exist in my head. They don't have that many still. Um, Blessed Assurance was the last, it was an 11th hour ad mm. to that song. Mm-hmm. It, the, Trust in God was a different song for four months. Mm. And we even tried it in church and felt like it was okay. The chorus was there. The bridge was there. It just had different lyrics in the verse. And, um, and we tried it a few times in church and just felt like, eh, kind of got a tepid response. We feel a little like meh about it. And we were recording the album that Trust in God is on um, at the top of this year in January. And about a week before, um, Pastor Stephen, we were coming back from Passion Conference. We had just um, led there. And Pastor Stephen was texting um, and was like, you know what's crazy is that I just, 
I just heard Blessed Assurance in another playing from another room and felt like that could totally fit with that song, Trust in God, that we're trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. So we went through a, a few different iterations. Like, do we go just word for word mm -hmm. in the front? Because Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm -hmm. He's been my fourth man in the fire time after time. That, of course, yes. is in the actual hymn. But, so, but we had different versions of it and landed on where we landed. But I, I think it, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that it, it hits you one because of the hymn, mm -hmm. um, like incorporating the hymn. But I, I feel like it's special too. I feel like there's maybe Gen Z may mm -hmm. not know mm -hmm. <laughs> where, where yeah. it's from, but I think it's, um, you know, so much of it is just scriptural from Psalm yeah. 34. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, to that's one of the first, I feel like, prayers. I, the, the bridge says, I sought the Lord, mm -hmm. and he heard, mm -hmm. and he answered. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the first prayers I remember, like, mm. praying and having a testimony about and really feeling like this. I've seen this happen in my own life. Like, when I turned to God and asked him to come through on a situation when I was a freshman in college, mm -hmm. I, I feel like mm -hmm. this scripture in Psalm 34 makes makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. This just came to life mm. because this is what I've seen him do. So I, I love that the chorus is simple. I love that the bridge is simple. Um, if, at one point I thought like, is it too simple? Is it too like straightforward? But I'm, I'm really happy with mm. it. So good. Well, we're going to play it right now. You guys are the second most streamed Christian artist in the world. Oh, I mean, that's, that's not bad. That's huge. <laughs> huge. Maybe one day that's you'll crazy. be number one, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe. number two. Yeah, I mean, Whoa. it's incredible. Hmm. Truly, your music has made its way. Who's number one? Well, her name <laughs> is Lauren, Lauren Daigle. <laughs> we share uh, a birthday, by the way. You do. You yeah. and Lauren, when's your birthday? She's not 34 uh, as well. Oh, good. Bill, you're She's never going to live that good. down. Never. Oh, my goodness. Subtract two as well. Yeah. I'm not going to say her age, but yeah. anyways. When's your birthday? September 9th. Yes. Happy belated birthday. Thank Happy you. belated birthday. I, I receive and it. See, he just turned 32. That's this what makes, makes it sting even more. Ouch. Oh my goodness. You look 25. Period. Um, so being the second most streamed Christian artist in the world, people listening to your music, people listening to us in the morning, they just assume that we just live on this mountaintop. Our prayer life is perfect. Our marriages are perfect. You know, we don't have problems with our kids. We don't ever wrestle anything out with the Lord. And I, if there's one thing that I really try to communicate with our listening family, we're human just like you. Mm -hmm. We struggle. We're, we all have desert seasons. We all mm -hmm. have valley moments. What do you do to take those steps that will bring us back, you know, and that closeness, that yeah. intimacy with the Lord. We've talked a lot about the church, capital C church. That's one of the most important gifts that God has given us is to be a part of a church generationally, to have others that have gone before that maybe could serve as big brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. parents away from parents. Mm -hmm. 
and model things for us, model faithfulness. I personally have a complicated relationship with Elevation Worship being an artist, mm. the second most streamed art mm. artist. Mm-hmm. It's complicated, not but primarily because um, one of the guys who's primary on our label and helps with marketing, bless his heart, he's always trying to do his job and get me to talk more about mm-hmm. marketing and do this interview mm-hmm. and do that interview. Mm-hmm. And um, I think because I grew up just mm-hmm. in a small 100-person Baptist church, mm-hmm. my dad was one of two people on staff mm-hmm. at that church. Mm-hmm. And all I ever wanted to do since I was 17 and felt like um, God was calling me into ministry was local church ministry. Mm-hmm. So as Elevation has grown, it's been, it's been a complicated mm-hmm. thing because I, yes, God has given us songs and given us a responsibility mm-hmm. and given us influence. It's complicated for me because I think, man, I, I got two kids of my own. I got a wife and I want them to see their dad be faithful, mm-hmm. faithful to them, mm-hmm. faithful to what God's put in his hands, mm-hmm. both with the songs, yes, and, and what Elevation Worship is as a ministry, but also just faithful in the church faithful Monday and Wednesday mm-hmm. and Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly does, I certainly don't, you know, just live on, on mountaintops and, and jump from one, you know, cloud to the next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, from a mindset standpoint, being rooted in the capital C church where this... This thing, this God's gift of the church has existed long before I ever showed up on this earth Mm -hmm. and it will carry on long after. Mm -hmm. And what I'm going through right now, I'll in fact make it through. Mm -hmm. One, of course, because his presence is going to carry me through it. But two, other people have gone before Mm -hmm. and they've made it. God's God's provided for them. Mm -hmm. I think for me right now, I'm really trying to outgrow this idea and belief of the work that I do equals the love Mm -hmm. of God for my life, both to and from him. Mm -hmm. And so I think as you, you're Mm -hmm. talking Mm -hmm. 10 years, 12, 15 years into ministry, Mm -hmm. when you serve and pour and pour and pour and pour, you can still have the temptation to believe maybe it's not enough, Lord. Maybe I'm not forgiven. Maybe I'm even in serving and being a pastor, you can fight that, that belief. And so as Mary and Martha were before Jesus, right? Mary's at his feet. And he says like, this is the important thing. It's the heart. It's not the work. It's not the service. Come to my feet and just be in my presence. And that's going to fill your heart. It'll change you. So my coming back to Jesus weekly, daily, like honestly, when I'm dry, my spirit is dry is like, okay, I'm going to let go. There's nothing that I can physically do to make this work. And I know that doesn't always change if something's broken or if, if there's a, a crazy crisis going on. I get that. At the end of the day, all you can really do is just sit at the presence and feet of Jesus. And he's the only one that can do the impossible and change the life situation. So for me, I'm I'm really trying to work through that and still like find my space with him where it's personal and even all these years later like really really understand that so I'm walking through that and I'm I'm growing even now in my faith through that mm-hmm. and I, I pray that that encourages someone to just 
it's not the works. It's not, it's not your effort. It's not your mind fighting that it's like really giving it to him, confessing it to him. And then his grace and his love floods your life. Yeah. It really changes it. So we've got Chris here and we've got the ever young 32 year old (laughs) John Sal who is here. Hey guys, let's go to church for a minute. All right. right. Let's take our listeners to church. We're going to play praise off of, uh, can you imagine this song? I, I can't, I'm going to govern myself and not try to use any descriptive language because I'll use words like fire. And it just, he he can't 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 pull it it off. off. (laughs) Legitimately, he can't. It's lit. Thank you. Thank you. Bill is our resident theologian. He's our professor. He's just. Let's do some of that. Yeah. Let's do some of that. So so first of all, the the verse, I'll praise when outnumbered, praise when surrounded, because praise is the waters my enemies drown in. First of all, I love that. And the bridge, the theology of the bridge here. So I'll praise you because you're sovereign. Praise you because you reign. Praise you because you rose and defeated the grave, which is all. I mean, you're taking us right to the cross. Mm-hmm. The church without the cross and resurrection of Christ isn't the church. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. One of the things that this song struck me with actually isn't just in the lyrics. It's the way you guys deliver it, which is that it's not just multi-generational like we talked about earlier, but it's multi-ethnic. It's beautiful. It's black and brown and white and gorgeous because that's the church, right? Revelation 7, 9, every race and tribe and tongue before the throne of God. And I just feel like we need a vision for that Mm. in the church across America, especially. Yeah, we that's that um, that's just kind of who our church has evolved into being. Uh, for the last, our church is 17 years old. And um, I think we're a very authentically diverse church, not um, strategic on live recording nights for the capture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, th- I'm, I'm really happy to hear you, you say that, but uh, I, I'm also happy to, to know like that wasn't you know, we didn't plant a few people <laughs> up front that aren't normally a part, but it, I mean, I, man, I wish, I wish if we had one song like praise every year, we'd be, we'd be set. We'd be living the dream every year because that song is so, it's so fun on Sunday morning at nine thirty when everybody's still mm-hmm. trying to wake yeah, up yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be fun tonight mm. in that arena. Last night in Miami, we were we were talking about after we were shocked because it's what four months old or something for everybody. Released it four months old, four months ago, and the amount of people, the amount of noise and shouting people were doing during that song was was um, really really great. And I, and yes, there's just so much gospel story and. Mm. Straight from Psalm 150, of course, and um, it's a little great. Genesis, a little Revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put it all together, mm-hmm. you get yes. praise. Mm. It's beautiful, and it is it, that that vision that it can give us as a church of worshiping with people who aren't necessarily always like us. Mm-hmm. They might yes. look different. Yeah. They might vote different. Mm-hmm. They might have different ways of um, thinking than we do. But we're together around the person and the work of Jesus, his cross and his resurrection, which is where that song takes us. So let's hear it. It's praise.
Chris, I'm going to start with you. We've been talking a lot about the songs. I want to go back to Childhood Dreams and Visions because you and my middle son have something in common. Uh, he wanted to play in the major leagues. He was a Braves fan. Dude. I don't know why. <laughs> he w- We lived we, – he, he was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Our closest major league team and the one I pulled for growing up was the Houston Astros. Okay. And it's weird that they're an American League team now. But he was all about the Braves. Now, same. he played, you know, shortstop. He was really good. I thought he's either going to end up in the majors or he lived for ESPN. Watched it in the morning before school. Came home, watched it after school. He memorized stats from baseball cards. He won us a trivia contest at Tropicana Field one time. I thought... He is my ticket to retirement. Yeah, yeah. He's the one. He'll either be on ESPN. And here you are. Or he'll be a major later. leaguer. <laughs> Ask me what he does now. Now you're sitting with us. Sorry, man. Here's what Didn't he does. He's a worship leader. Mm. Oh, wow. He's mm. never going to pay for my retirement. <laughs> so you at some point wanted to grow up and play for the Braves, I hear. Yeah, how did you know that? I we, have we my We do ways. our research. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's tell me a little bit about this dream and when did it die a horrible death? Oh, man. <laughs> Honestly, from as early as I can remember, I was like all things sports. I mean, I just I woke up thinking about Braves baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents let me stay up late as a r- small kid when they won the first pennant in, in the early 90s. And stay up late on a school night. And I, it was like the biggest deal ever because I was mm-hmm. like six years old or something. And um, this is like Dave Justice. Or his next yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, but I, I was like massive Notre Dame fan. I was a massive Jordan fan. And I mean, as many cards as I could collect, as much ESPN as I could watch, all this stuff. And then it, the day it died was the day like when I was 13 and just picked up the guitar and I don't I I wish to god the two would have stayed coexisting for me. Yeah. And I just left sports and even following it behind. And yeah, it's see, so sad. The day that, it died. The day it died. <laughs> the, day it died. <laughs> the day the sports dream died. my middle son. This is a little odd too cuz my middle son, my oldest son plays anything with strings. He's very musical, very artistic. But when Nathan picked up the guitar, and he still remembers this to this day, he was showing me, he was trying to show me a song, and he was, no wrist, it was all elbow and strumming yeah, the guitar. Yeah. And I'm looking at how stiff his arm is, and I'm thinking, son, you're supposed to pay for my retirement, stick with baseball. <laughs> so I told him, I said, you know what, I don't know that this is your thing. But do you know that it was the day he picked up the guitar? That's what it was. And now he's leading worship. Shame on music for doing that. (laughs) The day when I went to his ordination service, he reminded me Mm. of the day I told him, I don't think this is your thing. Wow. And now it's his thing. You know what's crazy? This is going to get real heavy for just a minute. But I, I I love my dad to death. The first, when he was just starting to teach me guitar, um... I didn't really have chords down and he had this big old ovation guitar rounded back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So big in my small body. Like it was always sliding down. I didn't even have chords, but again, when I picked up a guitar, I just thought the reason you played guitar was to write songs. So I 
in a series of different strings, no chord shapes on, in my left hand, just right hand, plucked out a song. And I had a structure in my head for a verse and a chorus that was a song, just E, D, G, E, D, G, and then moved to A, G, B, A, G, B. And so I was so excited, I went and showed it to my dad. And he was, I was like, I wrote a song, I wrote a song in his office at church. And he wasn't mean at all. He wasn't being mean. He just didn't think about it. But he was like, "Oh, well, Chris, that's not a, that's not a song. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't actually play a song." And it crushed oh, me goodness. because it was like again. I wrote a song for Why the am I first crying? time. Why ever. am I crying right now hearing this story? <laughs> I, and, and I told him years later, like, I mean, honestly, probably six, seven years ago. Yeah. After, like, we had written just a few songs. I was like, I never really told you not to be all existential and everything. But, like, this hit me Mm. way back in the day and you right. didn't even you and he was like i don't even remember saying that yeah. that's so yeah. crazy it probably broke his heart oh it, it, oh, it crushed yeah. him well, oh yeah you can tell him i i can relate yes because i tried my best man to crush my son's dreams yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right john Salt, let's talk about your hopes and dreams and how they were crushed mm -hmm. okay well um, <laughs> my my hope and dream started in 2020 mm -hmm. when i picked up tennis on mm. my own mm. uh, you know when the world shut down yeah yeah never had a lesson in my life but i'm still somehow convinced my hope and dream is to be a top uh, okay. 100 top atp tennis pro tennis player you are and it was tennis and not pickleball because 2020 well, everybody yeah. else did i'm classy you're cl oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> hurt me twice first he doesn't know who bryce young i'm teasing oh. and now pickleball no but I'm yeah teasing. does that count it's, well, a, it's a newer not? dream. As yeah. long as you're still so, holding on to I it. I think I can do it. Most There's are no way. At 32. <laughs> yeah. This man is just getting started. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to break the mold. I'm, Three or four good tennis uh, years in you, I think. I'm classy. <laughs> that literally will be the line of the day. Sure. <laughs> no, I know. But like, honestly, pickleball is the wave and we yeah. got to all get on it. Yeah. It's almost like the church. You can be 75 or 30, say, 34. That's true. Okay. All are welcome on the court. That's it. Some of us That's are crazy. way past 32, but we still have plenty of time to pick up pickleball. That's oh, yeah. It's one of the few sports my knees will still let me play. That's there you the go. Thing. We're sitting with a couple of guys from Eleva Elevation. You've done that twice I know, now. I've done it. Elevation. I don't know why I want to say that. Elevation Worship. That's Breaking it news. <laughs> it's a new name. Eleversion. <laughs> and, and now we're the number one street. Right. Eleversion. <laughs> I want to talk about Echo for just a minute. This is a song that doesn't follow a traditional worship feel. I mean, this Echo is like somehow Earth, Wind, and Fire got turned into a worship band or something. Oh. It's just, I don't know how this happened. Um, and so give me, give me the background on the song and how did Torrin Wells come into the picture? Um, that, uh, that song, I, honestly, it sounded great with just an acoustic for a while because it it's a pop song. Mm -hmm. And that's how it lived for a hot minute. And I sent it around to a, a few different producers to see if they could make it like really, really come to life and envision the poppiness of it. But I guess, I don't know, the people I sent it to like new elevation for do it again, right. alter. And they mm -hmm. had a hard time. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, who is you this? Want it, you want what? what? Yeah. Um, and then, 
and then one of our guys in uh, at at church, Aaron, really helped just bring all the pop flavor out for the from the production. Um, and it was it was so fun. And honestly, I think um, Torin, we'd known Torin for a f- a few years. He'd come through church. Right. And, He's a big um, Stephen a, Furtick fan. Mm-hmm. He is, he and he's just Steven. a big church he fan. He is, you know, and starting his own church right church. now. But he would literally like yeah. we'd we'd hold uh, for maybe five years. We held like a church conference mm-hmm. at Elevation where mm-hmm. we'd invest in other uh, church leaders, and they'd come through. Torn would just come as a as an attendee. Wow, not like to get on stage or mm-hmm. not to like. The first couple of years, he just literally came and we didn't even know he was there until mm. the third year. He was like, oh, yeah, I've been coming for two years. Just sounds I wanted sounds to like it Torn. Up. I right. love him. So um, I just called him and was like, we have this crazy pop song. Um, would you uh, would you want to put your vocal on it and send it to him? And he he tracked a vocal to it. And then it was game over. Like, well, you got to come in now and do it for the live recording. John Saul, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about school and uh, when you were in school that there was a theater program. And then dun, dun, dun. I, I have also heard that, Chris, you may have an affinity for musicals. Love them. So what about you, John Saul? You into musicals? Well, speaking of, and I was very scared about where you were going with this uh, uh-huh. theater program because I did actually in high school joined a fine arts program. Mm-hmm. And I quit after two years. I was playing trombone at the time. And I said, I'm not doing this in college. I'm right. I'm stopping now. But um, they did, they would have all four of like the, the departments in the program. So there was like a theater, a dance, a music, and then like an acting or something. Or yeah. And so we would do musicals in school and I, I despised, but I do love a good, <laughs> I do love a good Hamilton um, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Or um, yes. Oh, I don't know any other ones. Hamilton yeah. pretty much took Hamilton, the world by yeah. storm. Totally. There are a lot of people that are into musicals now yeah. that were not prior to Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton yeah. kind of set a bar. I, yeah, it uh, was confusing listening versus watching. I'll say yes, mm. much uh, different experience. Yeah. Now I'll say I've written several musicals and been in musicals for since I was in high school. This is fascinating. I was also a trumpet player, so. Okay. Brass, yeah, we did I that. will say this. I just have we to brag on him musicals? for one second. He yeah. writes music because he won't tell you this part. He writes musicals for his church for Christmas. So and awesome. we go to support him, but they're legit. Like I'm watching and I can, I mean, he's my brother. I could be straight up with him and they're legit. Like I can totally see these musicals on Broadway. Dang. I think I've, I've said for a long time, we just need to get an agent and pitch them. Oh. Is there like uh, strings, horns? Or what is it? Uh, it's just full, a, yeah, we have people that arrange. I do. I write the scripts, scripts and the stories. Yeah. Got it. I'll contribute some lyric ideas, and then our music pastor writes the music with his wife. That's so good. And then we have a couple of guys that do the arranging, and we've got an orchestra. We get to, it's, it's the whole night. Storyteller, it's, man. He yeah. is awesome. a storyteller. He so, is a storyteller. Uh, I've, I've, we've written like I don't know six or seven of them over the years, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, if you cool. could be in a musical. What role would it be and why? I love this question. Uh, <laughs> I just want to hear his answer. He's really thinking. I, 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 gosh, I think I would, I would be 
That would be Burr from Hamilton. I was going to say, it, you really? have to pick somebody from Hamilton. I can I totally Burr, see you. So I could sing Wait Hamilton. For It. Mm. Wait For It kills me. It's so mm. good. Mm. I'm going to say Burr. Okay. I'm not going to take the lead. Well, uh, Burr is a, that's a pretty heavy role, though. It's, it's There's a lot very of stuff. heavy. There's some things that and turn on that role. There, there are. But you I don't mean, get to be in the room where it happened. I don't <laughs> ever. But uh, but Leslie Odom, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's a good one to try to model after. I'd be King George so I can see you'll be back. <laughs> that, honestly, great answer as well. So I don't know if this counts, but I went to see uh, the Aladdin Mm-hmm. Production. You've always wanted yeah. to be Aladdin. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say Aladdin. Magic Carpet cool. Road. Prince I Aladdin. I could yeah. see it. Um, how does the song go? The Magic Carpet. Carpet. Yeah. Yeah. I would try to sing that it one. for you right now, but I'm not singing right. in front if of y'all. If she did sing it for you, world. <laughs> if Thank she you. sang it for you, you still wouldn't yeah. recognize. It, so. <laughs> we can do that. Let's do the duet right now. No. Let's I pull up the lyrics. Come on. Come on. No. No. I'm not gonna do it. Real quick, we have a lot of Spanish-speaking listeners in the peninsula of Florida that we cover and in, in, in South Atlanta and around Georgia as well. And you guys have some songs that have been done in Spanish. So just talk about that a little bit, just so people are aware of what you have out there. Elevation Espanol. Follow it on IG. <laughs> um, no, it's been amazing to see what God is doing mm-hmm. through these translations. Um, there have been some really special... Um, moments we've gotten to travel and some of our team is out right now sharing mm. um these songs and so it's at the core of who we are as a church and now there's a, you know a, an entire community both in the US and even outside countries outside that are worshiping along with this so it it is so sweet to see i'm a um a no sabo kid if you know what that means the the latinos will understand that yeah. <laughs> um but you know it it's even getting to sing on some of these songs and, and be a part uh, and to see where God takes them is, is beautiful. So yeah, it, that is um, fun and exciting right now because there's a need and there's an entire, I mean, you hear stories of people who are like, I heard this, you know, randomly on a playlist and I, you know, I needed this song and it's in Spanish. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't even think like, my gosh, it's going just into different spaces. So that's, that's just that's been uh, very, very special to see right now in this season. Yeah, a whole dimension of your ministry that some folks might not have known about. So yeah. that's why we wanted to ask. One of the things that we like to do is a little thing we call Hot Minute. And I was explaining to the guys that it's a little hard to do with two people because it's, you know, it's, you know, quickly as, as quickly as you can answer as many questions as you can in 60 seconds. And John Sal immediately volunteered Chris. So we're going to do... A hot minute with Chris. Just back him up, John Sal, if he needs it. That's yeah. right. Feel free to shout from the quick. corner if you need. Uh, this is actually, we're just going to, I got a several little quick questions so that we can get to know you as quickly as possible. All right. All right. So this is going to take us deep into the life of Chris Brown. So okay. Here we go. You ready with your timer? Yep. Okay. When he gives his first answer, start the timer. Got it. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Coke. <laughs> Grits or oatmeal? Oatmeal. Yuck. Leading worship or being led? 
completely been led. Favorite scripture. <laughs> Opposite every time. <laughs> favorite, favorite scripture. Um, uh, Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Favorite childhood toy. Ooh, hot Wheels. Yes. Other than Jesus, what biblical person would you like to have lunch with? Peter, he's pretty messed up. <laughs> favorite snack on tour. Mm. Muscle milk. Muscle milk. <laughs> For sure. Favorite song to sing? Rattle. Song you wish you'd written? Oh, come on. There's so many. Mm. Goodness of God. Dream duet. Um, me and Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christmas song. Beach or mountain? Mountain. Favorite musical? Hamilton. And there's your 60 seconds. Nice. You made it all the way through the list. That's a priority. That is. This is the